Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Dave. Dave's going to tell us all about his life. So, Dave... You're in the room. So, can you tell me when and where you were born? Can you describe what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received? Sure thing. So, I was born and raised in Orlando, Florida. I was born in June 1974. I was uh, was born on the Navy Hospital Um, back then. Uh, there was a naval base uh, in Orlando, Central Florida. It was the Naval Training Center and Recruit Training Center. My dad was in the Navy. He met my mom in the Navy Exchange, uh, where she was working as a cashier. Uh, they started dating, and they had me. So I was born in the Navy Hospital. and uh, 74, I eh? That takes me back a little bit. That's the year <laughs> I joined the army. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you got a couple of years on me. <laughs> Sixteen, I think, to be precise. <laughs> so yeah, I um, wow, you joined the army at sixteen? I did. Wow, cool. And then then I retired at sixty. <laughs> wow, so you got a little bit of time in the in the uniform, huh? Yeah, did a bit. <laughs> Did a bit. <laughs> uh, I, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my introduction to the Navy. It was like I was born into it. And uh, uh, years later, I, I ended up joining the Navy to follow in my father's footsteps. But uh, getting ahead of myself there, you know, when my dad got out of the Navy, <laughs> when my dad got out of the Navy, we moved up to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, for a few years um, while he was trying to land a job uh, with the fire department up there. Uh, We ended up moving back to central Florida uh, where my dad uh, actually did get a job as a firefighter and a respiratory therapist. The, uh, the school, you know, I started off in, uh, you know, kindergarten uh, at a local elementary school, Killarney elementary I did uh, kindergarten through sixth grade there. Uh, And then, you know, that was, uh, I think, a typical elementary education for uh, for the day. Um, So so what was the, um, what was it actually like, where you actually lived, the houses, the the street that you lived on, was it sort of a typical sort of mid-American sort of wide, um, wide street with long drives and, and detached houses either side, or did you live in a slum, or <laughs> what was it like? <laughs> well, I'd say that it was kind of a middle-class neighborhood, three-bedroom, two-bathroom houses. They were all one story, except for... Uh, there was one two-story house in my neighborhood. All the others were 
were almost identical. Uh, you know, the floor plans might be flipped uh, in one house, but they were all very much the same. Um, there, the carports were not enclosed. They were all open. Uh, at that time, typical Florida homes were not air conditioned. They just had the jealousy windows, um, you know, the long slender uh, gl glass panes that you would, uh, you know, roll out. There was a little yeah. uh, knob that yeah, you would open them up. That's, air con that's UK air conditioning. If you want a bit more, just open another window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that wasn't much uh, for, for Central Florida. The, the summers get pretty hot and it's very humid. Uh, pretty much a subtropical climate. Um, you know, we had banana, banana trees growing in the yard and avocado tree and uh, Japanese plum tree or loquat. Uh, we had some citrus and, you know, it was man, just a lot of fruit and uh, had a large oak tree in the backyard that we would build tree forts in and uh, just... <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a good childhood. You know, pretty pretty modest. Uh, my my mom and dad got divorced when I was in kindergarten, and he went and moved into a two bedroom apartment in a pretty bad part of town. Um, and where you know the house that my mom and dad bought uh, when when they moved back from. Ohio, uh, my mom ended up staying there, um, actually until the day she died. Uh, but that was the house that I grew up in. And, you know, when, when my mom and dad got divorced, my mom, I want to say she had dropped out of high school at some point and ended up getting her, uh, high school equivalency later and going to nursing school. But most of my childhood, she, uh, you know, she was on food stamps, had government assist assistance, and you know wore a lot of hand-me-down clothes, clothes for my older cousins and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, my dad, he he did pay child support, and we'd see him, you know, every other weekend, and it wasn't. Uh, and I, it wasn't an ideal childhood, you know, but it wasn't the worst that I've heard of. So, um, yeah, it could have been oh so, oh so worse. Um, I mean, I guess at that time it was kind of pre Disneyland. That was Orlando at that time. Well, it was being built uh, or had the the Magic Kingdom piece. Uh, built. Um, it was really starting to become a tourist destination at that time. My grandfather that, you know, my dad's dad would come down uh, at different times of the year and take us to Disney. So that was a, a common thing. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a treat to be able to go to the different theme parks when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the neighborhood, 
ended up not being the best. As I got a little bit older, the the neighbors sold or what you know older people sold and uh, they became rental homes and just uh, there ended up being a lot of crime in that area where where I grew up. Um, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, one of the neighbors on Christmas Eve was shot in my driveway. <laughs> Uh, That's yeah. a funny old Christmas present, haven't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a pretty, pretty intense time, and there was there was there was crime like that in that area. Um, even later on, when I was working for the fire department, it just wasn't the best part of town. Um, mm. <clears throat> but that that street that I grew up on, it was a dead end street. Uh, you know, it was the road that I learned how to ride a bike on and there was potholes, uh, you know, until years and years later, uh, the roads got repaved. Um, but as you can imagine, learning to ride a bike on a road with a lot of potholes, I ended up with a lot of skinned knees and skinned elbows and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> so what was the school like at that time? Um, so, so I guess you've gone from going into elementary school by now. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the school wasn't you know top level education, but it it was a, a decent school. We had different extracurriculars. There was a music program. Um, we had recess every day, so we got to play some sports. Uh, <clears throat> the there was an art program, so we got to paint and draw and that sort of thing. Do some ceramics, um, but it was a it was a small school. It's much bigger now. It, it's still there, uh, but there was a lot of open space, green space, when I went there. So there was always on the weekends we could go there and play in the park and uh, you know play on the playground uh the the teachers for for kindergarten through sixth grade you would get your one teacher your primary teacher and if you know you had art class a certain day you would go to that art teacher but most of the time you were in the same classroom throughout the day uh you know linoleum floors and you know, just like a typical government building, you know, the cinder block walls and flat gravel roofs. And it was all a uh, single story. The The entire school was a one-story school. The hallways were open to the elements. Uh, there was just a covered walkway. And, uh, you know, hmm. One of the things that's kind of typical for elementary schools here in the state of Florida is there's lines painted on the the hallway floors. So all the kids, when they're going from, you know, the library or the classroom to the library, the auditorium, lunch, you know, they walk single file on the, the lines. And that's how it was for, for me as well. Mm-hmm. So moving on a little bit then, what about your um, 
going up to sort of junior high, is it junior high next that you went to or middle school? Yes, sir. For me, it was junior high. Uh, the central Florida school system changed it to middle school later, but <clears throat> at that time, Kindergarten through sixth grade was elementary, and then seventh, eighth, and ninth was junior high, and then 10th, 11th, 12th was senior high. <clears throat> and uh, junior high, I went to uh, a school that, you know, is a typical Southern school. The name of it has uh, since changed um, because it was named after a Confederate general, Robert E. Lee. It was Robert E. Lee Junior High School, and... Uh, and the, um, the bulk of the student body there was mainly black. You know, they were mainly African-American students there. And, I mean, that's just kind of a slap in the face to have a – and there was a statue of General Robert E. Lee on the campus. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's, that's down the source, the slavery era. Yes. Uh, yeah, so they, <laughs> I can see where they're coming from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that that statue is no longer there, and it's no longer called Robert E. Lee. Uh, it's it's actually called like Winter Park Middle School or something like that. Um, <clears throat> but that wasn't really uh, a great time for me. Uh, I got into a lot of fights. I got picked on quite a bit, um, and and that continued on. Uh, until I got into high school, but uh, you know the the junior high years were were not the best. I uh, went through a pretty goofy stage. You know, I got really tall, but I was really skinny, mm -hmm. and I had big feet and a giant nose, and I was just an easy target. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got I got picked on, but I I actually could fight fairly well and uh, could hold my own. Um, but it, it was still not, that really didn't do a whole lot for my self-confidence, you know, because I never started the fights. People were picking on me. And uh, and that that followed me on for, for quite some time, you know. And, mm. um, and yeah, I, I guess that kind of thing does sort of, it, it does sort of set you back a little bit. I mean, it does knock your confidence a bit. And and, and until you, I, I suppose, looking on the positive side, at least you're able to look after yourself. I mean, so many kids that get bullied just just can't, and they end up doing something really silly to themselves. Um, yeah. So that's, that's not a, a great situation, but it's good that you managed to pull through all of that. Um, so yeah. what was... What was the best subject that you did in junior high? I, I would say, yeah, you know, I enjoyed English, you know, uh, creative writing, um, the language arts. I, I excelled in that reading and writing and reading comprehension. And uh, it was just, I, I enjoyed that part. Uh, I did enjoy history. I enjoyed uh, just learning world history, uh, American history, that sort of thing. Um, but 
yeah, that was that was about it. You know, uh, in high school, what about I sports? did. did so I sports. Yes, uh, I ran track in seventh grade, and the first uh, the first track meet, um, they said, "Oh, well, you know, you should do hurdles. You have really long legs." And uh, I didn't practice very well. You know, I didn't practice that much. And, and I ended up hitting a lot of the hurdles. I got really skinned up. Um, and that was the last time I ran hurdles. That was the last time I competed on that team. And I ended up, uh, you know, I knew I could run fast. So my freshman year, um, that was actually the transition. I, when I went into high school, I was in ninth grade. So um <clears throat> I had moved in with my father at that point, went to ninth grade, went to a very large uh, high school, um, very, very big high school. And I ran cross country. So that was the three mile race. And uh, I ran track um, in the springtime. And in the fall, I wrestled. So I, I got into wrestling at an early age, grappling and uh, mm. did well. I actually was varsity my freshman year and all throughout my uh, my high school time. And, uh, you know, I was in 11th grade when I actually broke my right leg pretty bad that uh, kept me from getting scholarships to college. Uh, you know, that I, I almost lost my right leg to uh, compartment syndrome. So it was a really bad break and uh, had multiple surgeries and I still limp to this day, but uh, it, it, it was uh, character building, I, I guess. <laughs> but uh, proper, proper testing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I really enjoyed wrestling. I enjoyed uh, running. Um, I wanted to play football. I wanted to play basketball, but for I, I feel like my parents didn't let me do it because of my temperament. Um, I ended up having a pretty bad temper, and so I guess to avoid putting me in a position where uh, I would get into a lot more fights, they just <laughs> put you know mainly running and and wrestling. I did really well in because. You know, I could uh, keep my cool um, and just wrestled. I didn't. I didn't have to strike anybody to to feel yeah. like I was getting them good. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you do after high school then? Or, let's just just take you back a fraction. Did Did you get involved with any sort of theatres or or music that sort of thing in high school? You know, I, I did join the, the chorus, the, the choir, the school choir, um, and that I, I enjoyed that, but I was not like a solo performer. I did not have that kind of a voice. So I enjoyed performing, but it really wasn't something that I was ever going to uh, step out and be a solo performer. Um mm. But, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't act, uh, I didn't do any plays or anything like that. 
Um, I, I felt like I did a pretty good job of getting picked on all on my own. I didn't need to add fuel to the fire. <laughs> you know, a lot of those, a lot of those guys got picked on pretty bad. I didn't need, I didn't need anything additional to <laughs> get me picked on. So don't, don't give them any more ammunition than they already had. Eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so, I, I, I was to go ahead. Oh, sorry. Did you manage to graduate high school with sort of any sort of honors, or, or just sort of scraped out? I, you know, I, I feel like I could have had I applied myself, but my my senior year, I had acquired so many credits early on that I was able to take all easy classes my senior year. So I pretty much just coasted through, and I. I knew that my family wasn't going to be able to put me into college and I didn't have the grades to get, uh, you know, any academic scholarships and my, my athletic career uh, fizzled out pretty good because of my, my leg. Uh, And the one I, I was hanging my hat on my wrestling and my senior year, I was, you know, a sure win to take home some championships. And I ended up um, getting the chicken pox for the very first time my senior year of high school. And uh, no, and uh, it was at that time, uh, right before I went back to school, after healing up, I ended up getting into a fight and I punched some guy in the in the head uh, that had started the fight and and I ended it but I broke my hand which kept me from competing the rest of the season so my my uh, that that was one of my issues was my temper for quite some time and and it was just a, a lot of childhood trauma that I just carried with me and didn't deal with it until I mean, I was an adult before I really started uh, looking at all that stuff. Hmm. So. so what did you do after school, after you com- uh, graduated from high school? Where did you go? What did you do? I, I went to a community college. I worked three part-time jobs and uh, went to a community college full-time. And um, it was... It was actually one of my part-time jobs was the work-study program at the college where I was taking care of the baseball fields. Uh, the, this one particular day, I was riding on the fender of the tractor. Another guy was driving. We were driving through the outfield, and there was a big dip, and I just I got launched into the air off that fender. And when I landed, I landed kind of weird, and I felt one of the screws that was in the top of my tibia back out. Uh, and when I looked down, uh, you could see the head of the screw pushing against the, the skin nice and tight. So I was able to go to the orthopedic surgeon. They removed those screws, and that made me eligible to join the armed forces at that time because that was what was keeping me out before. Uh, and, and so... Once I got those screws out, my leg healed. I went to the recruiter and, and joined the Navy. 
became a gas turbine mechanic. Um, uh, the, the paperwork that I signed to get in, though, basically said that if I re-injured that leg, they would discharge me and they would not, um, you know, take any, uh, take on any responsibility for it. So I had finished school. I had my orders to go to Yakuska, Japan. I had the battle group that I was looking to be in. A bunch of my buddies and I, we, we all uh, volunteered to go to Yakuska. And <clears throat> I had broke my leg again. And they, they discharged me medically. And I went home uh, kind of depressed because I felt like that was my, my way out. And, and I really enjoyed it. I, was, I did well. I graduated uh, second in my class for one of the harder uh, specialty schools in the Navy. And when I was discharged, I went back to Central Florida. Uh, my grandfather at the time was doing a lot of construction stuff. Just He was retired, but he had jobs here and there. And uh, you know, he taught me how to do concrete. And uh, I think really he brought me along to just break my back a little bit to, you know, get me back into school, I think. Uh, so that's, uh, and it worked because man, doing concrete work in the summer and, and Florida is rough. Uh, so I, I ended up going back to school and, uh, uh the entire time that I went to school in my adult life, I always worked. So I worked full time and went to school at night. I ended up uh, getting my associate's degree and then going to the fire academy, uh, became uh, a firefighter, uh, got on with, um, with a very large metropolitan fire department and, and worked my way up. Had a, had a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, that's one of those things uh, for me. Uh, you know, I, I wrote the book. I don't know if you um, have video as well, but if they're watching the video, they can see the, the book behind me. Um, I talk about it in, in there, just a lot of the mistakes that I've made. Uh, it's really... The, the most important growth opportunities of my life were when I, when I really crash and burn hard. So as a firefighter then, you got to a big metropolitan fire department. Can you remember your first big shout? <sighs> yes. Uh, the, the first, <clears throat> the first big in incident, I would say, the big fire wasn't even really that big of a fire, but it um, was one where we were a three-person crew. It was myself as the, the tailboard firefighter, uh, the engineer who was driving the truck and operating the pump, and the lieutenant. And we were uh, a station that was kind of out on the outskirts of town. Uh, and this was a trailer, like a mobile home type of 
uh, situation. And when we arrived on scene, there was fire. You could see it. And uh, there was a woman that came running out the front door with her hair on fire. And uh, the lieutenant told me to grab the hose line and get in there and put out the fire. Uh, he was going to catch the woman and put her out. And, and so I grabbed the hose line and went in um, by myself, uh, found that all the curtains were on fire. The couch was on fire. There was a lot of, a lot of items inside were on fire and the walls were beginning to catch. Uh, you know, in those trailers, there's just like a panel board as the wall covering, and that was catching. And uh, thankfully, our station was very close because it wouldn't have taken long for that uh, trailer to be fully engulfed in flames. But I, I went in there uh, rather aggressively, put it out, the, the couch. Uh, it's interesting I look back and I don't even know how I did it, but without even thinking, I grabbed one end of the couch and lifted it up and walked it out the front door in front of me and threw it out into the yard and then went back in and put the rest of the fire out. And uh, when I came out, the engineer was hosing down the couch with a garden hose and, uh, and that was that. Uh, and the, the woman had a lot of severe burns on her body uh, and she went to the hospital and uh, you know don't know whatever came of that but that was that was the first real fire uh, that I ran as a as a young firefighter proper little baptism before that one then yeah yeah <laughs> so how long did it take you to sort of climb the old greasy pole as it were uh, to get to to sort of the, the, the top of the uh, the tree in the fire department well so I I was hired in 1999 and in uh, it was actually um, July of 2001 uh, well it was it was actually December 31st of 2000, I was arrested for driving under the influence on one of my days off, uh, you know, celebrating the new year uh, and was speeding um, and got pulled over. And I, I had uh, had too much to drink. I, I should have walked, uh, but I didn't. And, and so I was arrested and my employer chose to um, terminate my employment. Uh, and that wasn't common practice at that time. A lot of times they would, you know, they would suspend you, allow you to, you know, get back on your feet and show that, you know, you're not a uh, total no, waste. And, and so when I, when I was terminated, I went back to doing construction uh, and uh, appealed the, their decision to terminate me. I ended up getting my job back. Um, but in the meantime, so that was uh, the DUI was December 31st, 2000. 
by July of 2001, my employment had been terminated. And then September 8th, 2001, I was on a three-story roof. Um, I worked for a roofing company and I ended up falling off this roof and broke my back. Uh, compression fractures to L1, L2. Uh, ended up, I was uh, I was laying on my couch, high on painkillers, watching the news the morning of September 11th, and thought I was watching a movie. And um, and when I sobered up, I decided that I wasn't going to ever take another painkiller. And so for the rest of the time, all my recovery. I took anti-inflammatories or no more narcotics because I just, I felt like, um, you know, I had watched, you know, so many of my brothers and sisters perish um, and didn't, uh, didn't recognize it at the time. And I was kind of ashamed of it. And I, I was ashamed that I was no longer a firefighter. At that time, I wasn't a firefighter. And I, I, I feel like that injury, though, saved my life. Because you hear of all the, the firefighters there that worked at Ground Zero and yeah. uh, the different types of cancers and how much horror they saw and they struggled, you know, struggle with depression, PTSD, and then cancers, and just really horrific. So at the time, I, I was uh, feeling like I would let m- my brothers and sisters down. Um, years later, I look back, and, and I really do believe that it saved my life. Uh, and so I ended up getting my job back. Uh, after my back healed, I went back to work for the fire department. And uh, within a year, getting back on the job, I was promoted to engineer, which is uh, driving driving the truck. Uh, after doing that for a few years, I, I uh, tested for promotion and became a lieutenant. Uh, ended up working at a very busy fire station, uh, the south end of uh, like central Florida, south end of Orlando, worked that area, pretty busy. Um, Saw a lot of violent crime, uh, a lot of auto accidents, a lot of fire, fought a lot of fire. And there was an industrial area as well. So I saw my fair share of industrial accidents. And uh, I, I was a lieutenant for six years and promoted to battalion chief. And when I promoted to battalion chief, I took over special operations for the department and uh, got a lot of advanced training at that time um, and did a lot of really cool stuff. But uh, throughout my career, just saw a lot of horrific things that uh, that stuck with me. And, you know, I, I talk a little bit about it in my book, uh, Struggling with PTSD and um, 
you know, really the the stigma surrounding like admitting that you need to get help. And so, you know, I felt like I was weak if I reached out to try and get some help. And uh, I mean, it caught up with me and my my world uh, all my days off was pretty rough. I, I drank a lot and uh, ended up um, making some poor decisions in my personal life and ended up losing my job again. And uh, it was pretty, pretty embarrassing, pretty humbling experience. Um, went from being a very well-respected chief officer uh, that had accomplished a lot in my career and I'd been decorated quite a bit. Uh, done a lot of really impressive stuff, but in my personal life, I just felt like, you know, the scum on somebody's shoe and I just really didn't like myself. Uh, and thankfully I got some help at that point. Um, and started a podcast, wrote a book, uh, just hopefully, um, Hopefully people will read the book or listen to the podcast and, and if they're struggling with PTSD or know, know somebody that's struggling with PTSD, they will help them get some help or, or just help themselves and get the help that they need um, because you can come back from it. And I would imagine your time in, in the military, you've seen a lot of bad stuff and... Uh, and it's like while you're in, that's your identity, right? And when you leave, that's when everything catches up with you. And that, that's one of the things that I'm trying to drive forward with not just my podcast, but my live streams, is to destigmatize things like PTSD, mental health, and suicide. It, it's, it's happening far too often. At the moment, I don't know what it's like in America, I think it's, it's, it's similar. We are losing a huge amount of veterans to PTSD and, and, and suicide. I mean, it's, it's unprecedented, the amount of guys that are taking their lives every day. Yes. Um, and I think we've come quite a long way, but we've still got a long, long way to go to, to fully destigmatize. Um, people that have mental health problems. We all have them. We all have problems. Yeah. And if we could just talk about it in everyday conversation, normalise it and, and, and identify those that are at risk to give them the support and, uh, and the help that they need, then, then we're halfway to, to helping so, so many people. Yes. So, Dave, where can people get your book and where can they listen to your podcast? Well, my, my website is hollenbachleadership.com, H-O-L-L-E-N-B-A-C-H, leadership.com. You can find my podcast there or any podcast platform. I have a YouTube channel. <clears throat> I have a YouTube channel as well. Um, my book is on my website. The Official release of my book is October 11th of this year, 2022. So 
uh, at that time, it'll be available on every uh, online bookstore. Uh, it'll be in bookstores all over the world. Um, but you'll be able to order it on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, that sort of thing. Uh, you can actually pre-order it right now. Um, so you can go to Amazon, put in my name, or put in uh, Fireproof, your grand strategy for transforming failure into fuel for your future. Um, it uh, It's already being recognized. Um, I, I am one of the finalists for the Page Turn Awards, um, which is an international literary contest. I'm... I can't wait to see how I do. Like, you know, I made the finals, but now, you know, there's further judging that takes place. And I'm, I'm hoping that I do okay, at least, uh, at least holding my own. But everybody that's read it so far has been, uh, been very generous with the compliments. So I feel good about it. Terrific. Well, I can only wish you every, every success. And, um, I'll do what I can with, with my platform to, to promote it as well. Yeah, I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for having me on your show and, and you know, having me talk about my life. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.